uh, good hour with JD, Bunkus, and Ben Ennis. A weekly get together among friends, and I often confide things in you during these blocks, right? I'll tell you the odd story, I'll tell you the odd thing. I, I'm having a disastrous morning, friend. Like a truly disastrous mo- mo- uh, morning. So, last night, I don't know why. But mm-hmm. I thought I put in my password for my my MacBook, right? And it mm-hmm. it said it wasn't the right password, even though I, I must have just scrambled and done the wrong thing. But then I second-guessed. I, I wrote it. I second-guessed myself. I went, wait, is this one of those passwords? I guess I'll switch it up and do something else. And then it bricked again. And I don't know if I had, like, my cap locks on or whatever, but I, I messed it up three straight times trying to log into my own personal laptop, my own MacBook. Yeah. It then locked me out. Oh no. It forced me to change all my it changed me it forced me to change my MacBook password, which I then got the the correct one. Like immediately after I went, wait, let's slow down, let's do this. I didn't know I had a number of attempts that was so finite. I wake up this morning to find out that with the temporary login to the computer, that my password keychain is gone. And I've realized that that is one of the most important things in my life. I can't get into anything because we all have some password, and now you have to remember all your other passwords. It's like it's yeah, dude. I am in hell. We have given up. People like the the AI technology. Did you see that tweet yesterday? Joe Rogan put it out. Of someone made a AI podcast of him. Like they made a Joe Rogan. AI podcast and it sounds like him it reacts like him it's not perfect right like it's definitely like you would notice something's up but it's pretty damn near close and I get more and more worried about the machines day by day now I'm like the machines can just lock me out of my life two seconds into the the rebellion the machine rebellion it's over like I can't even remember my passwords I, I can't get this done I could not get on to the video platform that we normally use to communicate with one another this morning hopeless completely hopeless in trying to get on here you know what I'm computer scrambled. never does I'm in full panic if I can't recover these like I might just have to not be on the internet anymore like I might have to become yeah. basically a shadow self where I only exist on new accounts yeah I a computer will never forget a password. Here's here's the thing, no. right? When when AI's in control, they will never have the issue that you had. And yeah, oh, you think it's it's just coincidental that your computer didn't tell you you were on your final password attempt? No, this is how they get us, yeah. right? This is how it starts. Were they, you know, oh, yeah, no, you should have known you only get three attempts. Oh, you didn't know, buddy? Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> oh, you didn't know it was a three-attempt situation? We got to take care of you, buddy. We got to make sure it's safe out there for you. If somebody yeah. tries three this times. Is, this has been fails, a long one, too, because my, one of my the most frustrating things in my life is that there's a, so many passwords that I have to remember, and, and every oh. platform that asks you for a pa- uh, password is like, oh, yeah, make sure you get, like, a 1,000 numbers, some special characters in there. It's got to be 20 oh. uh, characters long, and you've got to keep track of all these things across the, the spectrum of your entire life. I mean, that's where it started. The machines knew that this day would come. They're like, okay, so let's make sure it's convoluted so that, you know, when the AI is ready to take over... These guys are in such a frenzy password-wise that it's a simple it's a simple <laughs> flip of the switch for us to completely control their lives, take over their identities. Dude, you're so right. The 
first it first they came to us and it was a capital letter. Then they came to us and we had to put That's in numbers. Right. That's right. Special Once characters. The special characters came uh, in. We should have known. Special characters. Yeah. We should have raised eyebrows and we should have started to ask questions of our computer <laughs> overlords. It's on because, us. Yeah. <laughs> I, dude, trying to figure out where you put the special character, whether you replaced one of the oh, letters yeah. with the at sign, you know, if there's an oh, A yeah. in it, or just adding like an exclamation point or a question mark to the end of the password. That is one of life's most frustrating experiences well, i mean and and rogers must be one of the the major targets for ai because rogers makes you change your password every month which is like oh, it's impossible to remember so you have no choice but to like kind of just cycle through the 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 special characters and the numbers but eventually everybody forgets everybody has to go to it everybody has to have their password reset it's oh. it, it, it rogers in particular must have been targeted by the ai because yeah the, it's it's the most complicated password system I have in my life. Yeah, God forbid anyone get into our emails and see the PR uh, updates we get yeah. from the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Which backup offensive lineman will not be playing this week? God, this privy information on our accounts, no one must crack. No, go, in, go into the help desk and having to get them reset your password because you can't remember it. I've had them go. You ever just like write it? You could just like write it down in a notes app on your phone. And you're like, that seems so far less. You secure. are such a mark. You're a guy that loses your sunglasses like once a summer, multiple times a summer. Generally. Buddy, I haven't lost my sunglasses for multiple summers now. My oh, nice sunglasses. You. I've lost good cheap ones that I bring out for <laughs> you know. That's that why that getaways. doesn't count. I mean, I, I guess no. like when you're open to the possibility of losing it it makes it less painful but you're still losing sunglasses that still counts no, like you don't, don't want to lose those I don't sunglasses lose things. I, buddy you know if you ask what, my buddy? mom for one of my five defining traits she would say he takes care of his things I, don't, I i'm not reckless with that's my not stuff. My no way yeah that's not true at all like i'm very very cautious my things Maybe but just what i am me, is because I i'm be anal about it like I'm nuts. Like I put everything in the same spot. I have like I I I can't leave the house without touching my yeah. pockets. Like making sure I have everything. I think most people are like that. I think what sets you apart is that you refuse to replace things, and so if you lose something, it's like, well, that experience is over for the rest of my life. And you, so you think the fact that I've lost, like that's what I'm saying. You've, you've seen me lose a pair of sunglasses before, and you were like, you bought new sunglasses? You allowed yourself the experience of protecting your eyes from the sun again? I must self-flagellate for the rest of my existence if I lose my sunglasses in an effort to punish myself and make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. Like, uh, yeah, no, I think that's the difference between us, buddy. It's not that I'm reckless with my things. Anyway, uh, let's get into the sports stuff. How was the Blue Jays game yesterday? You actually got to go. I was in misery. Yeah. I think I sent you an actual text out of the blue that was just like, though. feel bad for me. I could, Dude, I could not believe I was not at that Jays game yesterday. Like, mm -hmm. I've been to that park when it's been crappy a billion times. And for me not to be at that unveiling of all of the new features and amenities and the excitement, because I'm going tonight, like, yeah, and I'm going to go to a million games, but, and I know people think like, oh, JD, you know, stop complaining about the fact you didn't go to home opener and that you had to work, you had to do your job. I, I, it is one of the most special events of the year for me. Like, it is my Toronto 
thing. Like, I love it to death. And instead, I had to watch the Leafs play a useless hockey game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. As I'm watching the, the pregame ceremony where they're showing up the lights and they're doing the... Uh, it was funny. Dan O'Toole called it a, the condo tour of like the virtual condo tour of the Rogers Center. I thought that was really good where they're just kind of taking videos yeah. through there. It looked amazing. Like the atmosphere looked awesome. It just it felt like a, it actually did feel like there was so many different viewing experiences. I cannot wait to go tonight. And then the game was spectacular, too. Like oh. the Jays came back and they won. And it set the tone for what should be an awesome season. I, I was very excited watching on television. What was it like being there? Yeah, no, it was great. You know what? I we and we've been to some pretty awesome home openers, and and Vlad's debut wasn't a home opener, but that felt like a home opener. It was like an event. Yeah, it was. That was a bonus and, home opener. Well, and and it, this is they're not in a new building, right? This is the same building that was uh, that the Blue Jays moved into uh. in 1989. But it, it felt like kind of yeah. on that that same level of Blue Jays return after the pandemic uh, and and play the yeah. Royals in that series. Uh, Blue Jays have the home opener last year. Vlad's debut, it, it it was the first time in over 30 years that this thing has looked different at all. Felt more like a ballpark, and it did. Like early returns, I didn't get a chance to, to go mingle uh, around the, the social spaces. I did that on the tour last week, and I'm going to go. I'm going to take my yeah. kids this weekend. It was just too busy, man. It was rammed yesterday, right? Like obviously – season opener full house everybody is going to get there yeah. super early we were doing the show up until seven o'clock so there was no chance of getting anywhere near the rail and apparently like the bleacher seats as soon as the the doors open like that is going to be one of the the spaces that fills up the, the oh yeah oh oh yeah you you are at this point almost a sap buying the 100 level tickets and <laughs> like it's just the the game has changed in there. The yeah. the those bleacher seats are going to be red hot all summer long. Like that I, I that those social areas. What is the are... protocol there though? Because like there's no set amount of people that can sit on the bleachers, right? Like I mean, in theory, you could just keep shoving people closer and closer together. But I would want some elbow room. Like what if, what is the protocol for how many people? And then what no. if you got to get up to go to the bathroom? Like are you allowed to save a seat? What what is the bleacher protocol? You could save a seat for a friend, no doubt about it, because you and the you you can battle but i think that if you get up from those seats you have to accept the reality that you might not be coming back to a seat what i would say is people should squish in like i I do think that one of the post well one of the post pandemic things that i think has lingered a little bit more is people wanting their little personal space bubble all the time and I've noticed this out in public a little bit more and certainly on the subway where people feel like they're entitled to an extra seat. And you're like, no, no, no. That was a pandemic thing where they put the little the little piece of plastic down going, only one person could sit right. and not – because even though this person's sitting the exact same distance away from you, we got to make sure that no one's sitting right beside each other, not facing each other. This is the science that we're following here, okay? Yeah. we got to follow the science. we got to make sure that we all survive. Um Either way, I, I do think that there's a little bit of that when it comes to those bleacher speeds. Like, if everybody's taking a little bit too much extra space, then you're pinching out too many people. I don't really love that. It looked like everyone was pretty packed in on television at the bars and at the standing areas, at least. Yeah. I couldn't get really a good feel for the bleachers. I'll probably cruise around tonight and check out all the amenities. I know it's going to be jam-packed again. I would imagine Is that it it's going to be like that all season long. I'd be surprised well, because generally, dollar. like, so it's it's a yeah, a home opener always a sellout, always a great atmosphere. I imagine this weekend yeah. against the just still undefeated Tampa Bay Rays is going to be 
a little bit nutty. But now it's like Wednesday in April against the Tigers. No. I, I do you really do you think it's going to be close to a sellout again today? Because I, I was talking to Blake Murphy at yeah. the game. I was like, what do we set the over under at attendance for tomorrow? I set it at twenty five thousand, which does feel low. But like, Buddy. I what. I, I'd, I'd be shocked if we're talking about close to another sellout on a Wednesday, again, against a horrible Tigers team. Although, Miggy's going to be in the lineup apparently tonight. I don't think anybody cares about Miggy. Um, that's a you thing. They should. That is not a Toronto sport. There's not. I, I don't think that there's 25 guys in the city of Toronto that are like, God, man, we got to go see oh, Miggy tonight. That's such a you thing. You're hyper-specialized again. Season, the one, one of the greatest to ever do to. it. Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah I know. You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, you're the your one baseball trip outside of the country ever was to see Detroit. So you've got like a special weird horned up yeah, spot for Miguel Cabrera, and so this is a hyper. No one cares about Miguel Cabrera in the city of Toronto. Nobody cares about Mike Trout in the city of Toronto. Like, there's no there's no baseball player outside sure. of Shohei Otani who moves the needle, or Aaron Judge who's in a home run chase. Uh, for the prestigious American League record. What I think it is is that, A, number one, there's Vlad Jr. bobblehead night, which is oh, going to draw in a that. ton of people. Yes, and number two is that, yes, the, the the renovations to the stadium have certainly made it, I think, a different level of hot casual person commodity where you can bring someone in now that is not as much of a baseball fan as you would have during this time of year in general. Like, I've had a lot of people reach out to me going, hey, when are you going to your next game? Like, I want to check out this new park. Like, people are very interested in the amenities more than they are the baseball yeah. team right now. <laughs> For sure. It's no question. I've had way more conversations about what do you think the coolest bar is in that place or is it as cool as it looks on TV than, hey, how is Kevin Kiermeyer going to sustain this? You know, like, I people aren't into the baseball team yet as much as we are. Like, we're the Can diehards. We're the hardcores. It, it should be both. And it, honestly, yeah. I, I know there's mechanics involved and things that uh, I don't understand with my little puny brain, but it's going to be like 27 degrees tonight and then we can't have this roof open. I know it's like nobody is expecting early April for it to be as hot as it's going to be and next week it's not going to be as hot. It's just like a freak week. But like we we couldn't have like maybe planned for the possibility that that this opening series could have had an open roof. Like really? Like we we couldn't have done the testing? We couldn't have... Like imagine how cool that would have looked on opening day with the the, the full house on the... Like that's the appeal so I, I love all the social spaces but the coolest part will be when the roof is open and you're in that 500 level corona rooftop bar looking out to yeah. the toronto skyline seeing the sunset like that is elite elite stuff and we won't be able to see that until yeah. i don't know june i don't know when, when can we get this thing open i i don't know again this is one of those weird things but people were tweeting about it yesterday and it's one of the most helpless weird things that the fan base does is like they think that going to Twitter and pleading for the roof to be open is somehow going to move some overlord that just no. is like I picture There's someone things just that have to happen a button. preceding the yeah. game for it to open. I understand that, but like, why didn't they do that? No, but you're right. You would think that in this case they would have said we have one shot at this debut where we're going to have a different level of numbers and we're going to have a different amount of people. And what we don't want is the old sweat shack, which is when the roof is closed. Yeah, of course, dude. When it's warm outside and they close the Rogers Center, I don't care what amenities you change. It's one of the most miserable places on earth that you can possibly be. Like, you're packed. You want to talk about packing in and when you need the personal space? I, I'd be, I was surprised that I didn't hear about, like, fights last night because it's just a little pressure cooker 
and you're stacking people on top of each other, and then you're basically saying, hey, come get all this extra booze we got down here. We got all this booze happening in here. I thought I was for sure going to read about some scraps happening at the old RC, but no, that wasn't the case. Everybody was too happy. Okay, so I've got a few topics for you today about... Toronto sports in general. Uh, I did all my Leafs talk stuff yesterday on Leafs talk off of Tampa, and yeah, I uh, there will be no added Leaf feature to today's episode <laughs> of the podcast. You can get that on Leafs talk. Go subscribe and review, and while you're there, you can subscribe to this podcast. Again, I do bonus content now that's podcast only on this show, so if you're listening on radio right now and you do like this program, go subscribe there, and yeah, you will get more content. But um, I have three things for you today. I'll let you choose... Uh, the order in which we do them, so you can choose the import. Uh, number one, DeMar DeRozan's return to Toronto in a meaningful-ish game. Is it a meaningful game? Uh, are we actually kind of rooting for DeMar DeRozan? Is this a kind of a one-off experience that we've ever had as a sports fan? Two, Kevin Kiermeyer. I don't know if he was hated. Uh, I think he was disliked. And I was trying to go through the history of the city of players who were disliked who came to Toronto and flipped the script and actually became really well-liked Toronto sports fan, yeah, popular players. And I I couldn't find a very long list. I had one guy in particular that I named it after, which is this is now the Jason Spezza wing of Toronto sports players, where very disliked, came here, became beloved, because I think Kevin Kiermaier is definitely on track to do that. I know it's early. Or three, confidence rankings in the organization, um, early returns, the bats, the relievers and the starting pitchers, which I have now found to be kind of the most interesting part of this. I don't know. The Kevin Kiermaier thing is freshest in my brain because, you know, I was at the game. I've been watching every game uh, that he's played in his Blue Jays career, and I was thinking about how he's he's become, like, all of a sudden the face of the franchise. Like, he's he's such a quotable dude. He loves doing these post-game interviews and why not when you're hitting like 500 and you're stealing home runs and you're already a fan favorite like he got one of the loudest the pops game as I figured plays he would. like every game yeah like yeah. he got one so this is a guy again that spent his entire career playing against the Blue Jays in this division yesterday was his first home game as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays and as I expected he got one of the loudest ovations during the pre-game introductions because yeah, okay, he was hated for the one moment, right? Like, there was one moment where you could say, oh, the, the the city hates him, not just because he's a great player, but because he did something untoward towards a Blue Jays player, and that was steal the strategy card that Alejandro Kirk left on the field. But if the roles were reversed, wouldn't you want your own player to take the card. Anyways, we can quibble about no, no, but that. That's not the point. That's, that's not the point. That we're not doing an ethics. This is not about morality in sports. This mm-hmm. is about he was not hated. You're right. He had a moment where he was hated, and a lot of people yeah. really didn't like him. But for the most part, he was, he'd been a longtime Tampa Bay Ray who was definitely one of the staples of a franchise that this, yeah. these fans hated. He wasn't a New York Yankee. like He wasn't hated like an A-Rod. Of course not. Of course not. But I would say that he was a, he was a pretty much universally disliked player among Toronto sports fans. If you asked for, hey, yeah, what's your but, opinion but, of Kevin Kiermeyer? people would have said he stinks. I don't like him. Up yeah, to a year they ago. didn't like him, and they would say he stinks because he was so good, right? And for a guy that's like a league average hitter throughout his entire career, felt like every big hit, like whenever he played the Blue Jays, it felt like he was, no, one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. Then he was stealing gold gloves away from Kevin Pillar because Ke- people thought maybe Kevin Pillar was a superior defender, and then you, uh, you get to watch Kevin Kiermeyer and all his platinum gloves and realize, no, 
know, it's it's not all that close. But that's it. Like, this guy's a great player. And it, I'm glad you made the distinction between playing for the Yankees and playing for the Rays. Because here, that's what I see from this guy. A guy that has been one of the best center fielders, like, end of sentence period, right? Like, most of that built on the yeah. defense. But one of the best center fielders in baseball over the better part of a decade. Playing in absolute obscurity for a good Rays team, but in front of nobody that they can't even sell at playoff games finally gets freed of that situation and is a superstar already, like playing 11 games for the Toronto Blue Jays and is loving every second of it. And do I think that maybe there could be some sort of boost in production because, hey, feeding off emotion might actually be a thing? I, I, I don't discount the possibility. This guy, it does feel like he was in in prison, like he was in Alcatraz. He just served a 20-year term, and then, and yeah, he's living his best life right now. Okay, but it feels like you're missing the point of this topic again, because like I, I, you're you're talking about how Kevin Kiermeyer was unjustly disliked, or that he didn't get his due, and now he might get his due, and that he's playing very well in front of the crowd. Like this is not a baseball topic. Like this is not a hyper deep like dive into Kevin Kiermeyer's career. This is simply a how many players do you think? Like, who came to mind for you as a comparison for this? Because I think this is a unique fan experience in yeah. that. I mentioned Jason Spezza was definitely disliked. No Toronto yeah. sports fan liked Jason Spezza. They made fun of his laugh. He came in and he killed the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was part of a Senators but that's it. team. We're talking that was... about the two examples are guys that were hated because they were productive, right? Like because they they were good good players. I mean, the the who's the other? Rugnet Odor never played for the Blue Jays and would have never played for the Blue Jays and yeah. would not have been accepted because he just like is no good. Was never really any good. Um, and was just he was a villain for reasons that are different than Spezza and Kiermaier. Those guys are just good. But why players. is Rugnet Odur a part of this? I'm saying it's guys that have come that have been villains who have come to Toronto and played for Toronto that people have had to flip the script on. Because I, I went through a list of guys in my mind that was, hey, who was a villain here who ended up coming to Toronto? And most of them were huge flops, so you just hated them more. Like well, Mike Commissaric like was a villain. was the first yeah. guy that came to my mind. Yeah, villain who signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They stole Commissaurus from Montreal, and then it turned out that he was essentially like purely an Andre Markov creation. That Markov had been carrying him and ele elevating him at a different stratosphere in his career, and he was fine. He just wasn't his own guy that could actually be a, a stud defenseman for you. He was a, pretty much a flop, and no Leaf fan felt a positive way about Mike Komisarek. I thought about Thomas Plekanich, who got traded here, and Leaf fans kind of enjoyed that, you know, being able to rib Montreal Canadian fans going, haha, like your guy ended up coming here, and your franchise traded him, and he likes it, but he didn't have enough sustained success. He wasn't good enough, and it ultimately was a pick. It was kind of a wash. Uh, I thought of Goran Dragic, who was hated here, absolutely yes. disliked here by a lot of Raptors fans, came here, and I'll never forgive the Raptors people who I remember going, he will be loved, and I went, I don't think he will. I don't think he's going to be here, the Magic Johnson meme, wow. and guess what? He's even more hated now. Now, he actually completely changed his legacy from a hateful standpoint in that he is now, I would say, conclusively the least popular Raptor ever. Because there's no, like, polarizing Goran Dragic thing like Vince Carter. He's just hated. Like, he is just, yeah. if any Raptors fan knows about Goran Dragic, they yeah. boo him, they hate his guts. We have a short list of guys who are rivals and who were hated that 
I can remember who became either Leafs, Blue Jays, or Raptors, where the fan base really turned on them and said, now I love this guy. Like, do you have another example of that? That's what I was trying to get you to think of last night, not is Kevin Kiermaier liked by you. Yeah, no, Mike Komisarek was the guy that that first came to mind. But no, there's few and far between because you rarely see trades between rivals, right? And Mm -hmm. the Blue Jays have had so few rivals in their history because, you know, they went 30 years between playoff appearances that it's, yeah, okay, you can say, hey, the Red Sox and the Yankees were their rivals. No, the Red Sox and the Yankees were out there winning World Series in the postseason every single year for two decades um, and there were no trades, and the Blue Jays were not in. They were not battling for the same free agents over those two decades with those teams. So it's it's really like it is. Kevin Kiermaier kind of stands alone. Like I can think of the opposite thing where with hey, Vernon Wells or Lyle Overbay were playing for the Yankees and and actually you know succeeding at times, being painful for for Blue Jays fans. But it's it is a it is a rare occurrence to see somebody who has had success from within this division play for yep. the Blue Jays and 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 yeah flip a script flip a narrative for this Blue Jays team. So uh, all I could think was there's a, a short list of guys. So the experience will be interesting, but it is does come with that little bit of a caveat which is the Raptors don't really ever sign anybody. <laughs> like no. the Raptors haven't had any effective free agent signings in the history of the franchise. Again, their their best North American player that came from another organization uh, has been Bismack Biombo. <laughs> so it's really hard to do a Raptors one, right? Like yeah. it's really hard. They had the one trade for Goran Dragic, and yes, as we mentioned, it didn't work out. I don't know how many players the Leafs have signed that at least in my lifetime, that I really hated and I thought were really polarizing before they came here. I mentioned that I don't think Spezza was liked at all, but uh, and I mentioned the other guys that were flops that I can remember. That's usually the way it is. And then you're right. With the Blue Jays, no trades really in the division. You never really have strong feelings about people outside of it unless you face them in a playoff series like Odor. Um, that's it. But that's, and then, but yeah, the, the Blue Jays are not a team, huge like... budget team every year. No, and, and even on like that Rangers team who they played back-to-back seasons in the postseason, right? In some pretty dramatic series victories. Obviously, the five-game series in 2015 was the most dramatic uh, and the comeback in in the seventh inning. But then, like, wipe the floor with them the following season. It's like you got the Odor thing from the regular season, but did anybody have any ill will? Like, if Adrian Beltre had played for the Blue Jays, would yeah. that have been a guy that people viewed as uh, a guy that they hated? Elvis Andrews, like there is, it just it it did not feel like a rivalry outside of one player on those Rangers teams. Okay, so I'm getting. I open. I I just checked out my Twitter at JD Bunkus. Like, there's a lot of things pouring in, and our boy Dan Lorimer, he gave us the one that I really missed, but a little before my time. I actually saw him live with the Blue Jays. But before my time of like really deeply caring about the team or like knowing the team, and that's Roger Clemens. Sure. Sure. Again, we're talking about an irrelevant moment. Wow, in the you had sure you, you diminished that of a guy who won a Cy Young here and who was definitely not liked by Blue Jays fans before. Like yeah. that has got to be the number Two one. He definitely right. takes but, it yeah. from Spezza. That's what I'm saying. If we're gonna name the wing or the award after someone, I think it's still the Jason Spezza Award because here's the here's the reason. Roger Clemens's Blue Jays tenure has been so tainted in mm. like the history books. You don't feel that at all? Like, he is the best Blue Jay that no one talks about or cares about. Yeah. 
Well, but again, like this goes back to the the time of the franchise and its place in the sporting landscape and its yeah. irrelevancy. It was irrelevant. This guy was the greatest and still is like one of the greatest pitchers, if not the greatest pitcher in the history of the sport, and then was at the peak of his powers playing for a Blue Jays team that was an also ran like out of the gate game one yeah. through game 162 and also ran and then had a secret clause in his contract where he departed again like and you talk about hated because what he played for the Red Sox and was a great pitcher for the Red Sox again like the the Blue Jays were so irrelevant in those years to uh-huh. the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees in the top of baseball before they were able to, to but that doesn't matter that doesn't matter they were still fans that doesn't matter that's that's yeah. irrelevant like yes you're more likely to have hated players if you are relevant because there can be big moments and then all of a sudden you can hate someone that's out of division I don't well, I'm not remember saying it's, it has to Roger be Roger Clemens though like honestly and it, yeah like I'm a little bit but older you were than baby. you but I, you're a little wee baby yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I like that. I was in prime baseball viewing years then, but I don't ever recall. Like I know Red Sox fans certainly hated Roger Clemens when he played his way out of Boston, yeah. but I I, I just, it just like I don't recall Blue Jays fans saying, "Well, oh, here's the guy that keeps shutting us down, and now we've got him." And and yeah, I mean, I, I guess there was that, but like I don't remember any specific moments yeah. prior to Roger Clemens becoming a Blue Jay that there was like, "This is our nemesis." He was like everybody's nemesis because he was an amazing pitcher, but I don't I don't remember yeah. there being a specific rivalry between the Blue Jays and Roger Clemens. Yeah. I think you can hate a player, though, and not have a rivalry with the team and just hate the team and hate the player. And when you're one of the faces of a hated organization like the Red Sox, yeah, every time you come to town and you got jerk face and everybody knows you're a jerk, that it's pretty easy to hate you. I can see how people would have really hated Clemens here. I'm going to give them that. Uh, These are all – I will say, though, that from my Twitter replies – uh, this is only proving my point even more about how unique the Kevin Kiermeyer experience could be because everything I'm getting is a very old reference that's before my time and I can't speak to what it felt like when this happened. Like people, I'm getting a lot of Ricky Henderson. Like a lot of people yeah. apparently really hated Ricky Henderson. What about Jack I hate Morris? to say this. Any I'm sorry Jack to admit Morris? this. I had. I had there's zero Jack. Oh, there's actually one guy. Uh, Wise Dan has Morris in there, but there's mm-hmm. pretty much unanimously there are. Uh, these names in some grouping. Clemens, Ricky Henderson, uh, Dave Winfield apparently really hated. No idea. Had, I'm oh, sorry. Man, I know you. I'm pissing some people off. Right? Well, I'm, I know, but I know I'm pissing people off saying that about Winfield, cause, but I have no clue. I had no fandom at that point. Um, this is a history lesson for me. And then, yeah, I'm getting some Jose Canseco, but yeah, I don't know. That's... Uh, that's an eye roll one, and Jose Canseco will never speak ill of because that is our boy. That is our friend. Well, he gave us the best idea we've ever had when we had a show together, <laughs> which was he pitched to us that we should invite Jose Bautista to do a yeah. weekly show with us, an hour in studio every week, and it would be really good for ratings mm-hmm. during 2015. Which that's smart idea. we, oh, God, if we had only listened to Canseco's advice. We, where would we be today? Uh, anyways, uh, who showed up three hours late for his interview with us uh, after his poor manager was basically uh, one of the most uh, – she was pretty frazzled. She was pretty upset with the whole situation, going to his hotel and knocking but on again, his door. Again, like Jose Canseco playing for the Oakland A's, like in a different time zone. That, that wasn't a guy that was hated. It was you know He was kind of likable before yeah. we, we knew the CD underbelly about everything around baseball at the at, that time but i don't see again i I don't know this stuff i'm 
I'm not old like you, so I don't remember these things. Like uh, this is well before my time. So you tell me, Father. Like who? who well, the those Jack guys? Morris thing the is interesting because Jack Morris in '91 has maybe the greatest pitch game in the history of the sport in a game seven mm-hmm. going 10 innings and yeah uh and then immediately signs with the blue jays leaving his his hometown team and isn't as good but yeah, yeah. wins a couple of world series with with the blue jays again not a division rival though but but somebody that was great like is that what we're talking about here because yeah when you talk about the spetses again when you talk about the spetses and and you talk about the kiermeyers you're talking about guys that were just hated because they were good right and i suppose played in the same division so you saw a lot of no, them kiermeyer kiermeyer had more to it than that kiermeyer had more to it than that you're discounting it like kiermeyer was a gamer Yes, he was a gamer, and he was annoying, and he would jaw back with a lot of the Toronto Blue Jays. He was always at the forefront of when those two teams would get into it, being one of the, like, yappy guys on the other side for the Tampa Bay Rays. No, 100% Benny. No, like, he you're right. Spezza was just good, and he was annoying. Here's, here's who I would view that way. Like, if Dustin Pedroia or Kevin Euclid ever played for the Blue Jays, or, oh, Brett Gardner, as I much as I Kevin wanted Euclid. Brett Gardner to be a, an offseason signing yeah, for the Blue you, Jays, you those guys desperate. were hated. You, you were desperate. You rolled out the red carpet for Brett Gardner every offseason for, like, four years. You were you were the welcome home committee for him. You wanted him so who badly. I, I disagree. I think that Kevin Kiermaier... Kiermaier. That's what I mean. It just sounds like you have a crush on Kiermaier, which I get because he's a very handsome fellow. Like, he is absolutely right now, if you were doing the power rankings of also which athlete in Toronto could just, like, not have to tell people he's an athlete and pick up, right? Like, goes to the bars and is just like, I'm not anyone. I'm nobody. Like, uh, what was that show called? Undercover Boss? Remember that show? Just undercover athlete. You go to the bars and you compete one-on-one, and nobody knows who you are. The whole city has the – actually, yeah, they have the men in black stick because there's a, be such a huge advantage for guys like Austin Matthews, right? But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that it would probably come down to Gary Trent and Kevin Kiermeyer. Those would be the final two guys standing in the city today. Yeah, I, I think you're on to something. Actually, Blake Murphy was making the case for Jimmy Garcia yesterday, which I could, I could kind of get. Like, yeah, he's like almost in – maybe like obviously nah, a tier no, below. Got, get, get, Jimmy Garcia is getting body bagged by those fellas. Like those fellas are like <laughs> – they see Jimmy in the room and they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, what, you really want to do this, man? You know they're going to film this, right? You know that people are going <laughs> to see this later. You should just – Go and Jimmy would be like, yeah, <laughs> like no, nah, I'm I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> like, anyways, all right, let's wrap this up. If you think of anybody else, let me know. But I think my point is proven that the Kevin Kiermaier experience can be very, very, very unique here in this city. We've basically only had Spezza since uh, I've been an adult. That has been a guy that was really disliked in the market and then came here and became loved. I cannot think of another person. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I'm not older. I feel like how Jobo feels on my show right now when I paced him about being a young idiot when I read a lot of these responses about, yeah, Dave Winfield and Ricky Henderson and Jose Canseco because, yeah, I have no point of reference for it. But anyways, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Uh, Let's talk about, yeah, whether or not DeRozan can kind of do the opposite. Quick break. That's next. Sportsnet 590. All right, let's wrap this sucker up. I'm going to save confidence rankings until we get more 
time with the baseball team, but part of the fun of confidence rankings is that you do it. It's it's sporadic, right? It changes so quickly in terms of yeah, who you want up in Matt a big Chapman's spot, who one. you want starting in a big game. He's your number one. Yeah, are you insane? Yeah, I I was I have Bo. No, I mean it's there's no wrong answer except anything other than Matt Chapman, right? Yeah. Now. Well, here's the thing. The, one of the biggest positives from the entire Blue Jays season so far has been that all of their most important bats have like shown up and been amazing. Outside of Springer, but he's been solid, but just not as good as the other three guys. Uh, and yeah, they're getting a ton from Kiermaier. And congrats to Brandon Belt on a hit. His second as a Jay is Three! He has like, three. Come on. Yeah. You can't be killing Brandon Belt after he has three hits yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can do whatever I want, and <laughs> it was, all right, congratulations. He got, well, I'm just saying the one in particular where I was like, all right, very nice. Um, anyway, uh, that's my bats. I do think that this is my confidence rankings takeaways is I, I genuinely actually have feelings for Barrios and Kikuchi that are similar right now, which is pretty scary for this roster, right? Like I'm not sure who I feel more confident in delivering me a five and dive at this point, which is really saying something. It's still Brios, but it's not no. by the margin that no. you would expect Kikuchi considering it's flipped. Ships passing it, in the it night. It is Kikuchi for, for you? Yeah. Yeah. I listen, I don't even hate that answer. I just boy, uh it's possible. It's right there. And I also think that like Zach Pop needs more responsibility. Uh, he's already in a great role right now, which is hey, he comes in all the time and shuts it down, but I really think by the end of the year he could easily be this team setup man. Like he has the he has nasty stuff. He looks like a really prized acquisition for this bullpen. And when we've talked about hey they need more velocity and more swing and miss stuff out of the pen, it's like might actually just be Zach Pop. Yeah, he's really really good. It turns out that throwing ninety seven and then having a, a wipeout yeah. slider might be something that that would interest people in the bullpen. And hey, uh, best of luck to Jordan Groshans having a, a great little career. And I think he hit a home run in one of his first couple of games oh, for the Marlins last year. But I don't think he's in the a major leagues right career. now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's very nice. A great little career going town yeah. to town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Groshans. Anyway. Uh, all right. So. This is a weird one for me. This is kind of the opposite. Today was the theme was definitely fan experiences, and that's the ballpark and going down there for those of you that actually got to go and didn't have to suffer the indignity of watching just the entire Leafs game and not have to be there with all the people in Toronto celebrating the new amenities. Um, I don't know if there's stakes to these Raptors games, but it does feel a little added stakey now that if they get to the postseason, they're going to have two games against DeMar DeRozan and then Kyle Lowry. For those of you that don't know, Kyle Lowry's Miami Heat. I shouldn't even, yeah, whatever. The Lowry Heat team that employs a very different Kyle Lowry than the ones that we grew up on. Uh, they lost to Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks yesterday. So the path for the Raptors to get to the playoffs runs through DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. I feel, for me personally, they would be two very different viewing experiences. But I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, Ben, that a part of me wants DeRozan to have this yes. far more than I want the Raptors to win it. Like, do you think that this is almost split down the line with the fan base, the hardcore fans, people who understand, not, 
you know, not my mom that just roots for the Raptors every single game to win regardless. And I can never – I tried one time can, telling her about tanking and how it worked, and she was, like, not having it whatsoever. <laughs> She's watching the Miami – the season in Miami, and, like, they'd be beating the Charlotte Hornets, and, yeah. and I would go, no, this is bad. And she would go, no, it's great. I love this win. Go, go, Raptors, go. Uh, go, Kim Birch. So – yeah, what do you what are your feelings going into tonight? Because yeah, I'm I'm rooting for DeRozan. He's not going to get revenge, but you can't get it. His legacy will always be the guy that was traded for Kawhi that people have to be nice about. Going, yeah, but he also he he built the foundation. He's literally the guy when you you patronize someone after they open a tough pickle jar and you go, I loosened it. It's like that's what we do for Demar Derozan. Is oh, he loosened it. It's like nah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's so true. Man, anybody that's yeah. watched this Raptors season this year, I mean, has to have the same response, don't they? That they just want it to be over. Like, who wants to watch more of this team, honestly? Who doesn't want to just get Friday to the night, inevitable... Friday night, Raptors heat, rock fight. If that's what you're oh. wanting in your life, I don't know what to oh, tell you. Oh, my God. Well, I, and, like, this offseason is going to be full of drama, right, with the three pending free agents, but more specifically the Nick yeah. Nurse stuff and, and man... <laughs> What what that's going to entail and the news cycle surrounding that, I'm I'm super interested in that element of this team. But no, Demar Derozan is, yeah, he's a beloved figure in this city, but he's yeah the guy you yep. kind of feel sorry for, right? Because you know he was so upfront with the mental health stuff, and honestly, the lasting image for me in his direct competition with the Raptors was not the first game against the mm-hmm. Raptors as a spur because they, he won that game. But it was yeah. the return to Roger or to uh, Scotiabank Arena and Kawhi Leonard just taking the ball away from him at the end of the fourth quarter Oof. and winning the game for the Raptors and just feeling just sad for Demar. But like, also, but at that point the Raptors had yet to win the championship, so you're like, well, that's you know you got to break a couple eggs to make an omelet. Then they won the title. Now it's like, you know, if the Raptors had legitimate championship aspirations you would feel differently but this team stinks anybody whoever comes out of the bottom half of this eastern conference play in tournament bracket it's not like the west where the lakers yeah have the all-time greats and and could you could see them beating memphis now this team's going nowhere they maybe win a game but you know this this team stinks and will be summarily dismissed either in the play in tournament or in the first round of the playoffs so would it be great to see DeMar DeRozan return to Toronto and have his moment in the sun and, and beat on this super flawed Raptors team? I, I don't I don't know if there's anybody that can make the opposite argument that's watched this Raptors team through 82 games this season. Yeah, I, this is the point in time where people go, money isn't everything, but yeah, DeMar DeRozan has made $170 sure. million dollars U.S. in his career. I wouldn't say he's like over, he's just not, he's not the saddest figure I've ever seen. But yeah, you're right. I in mean, this market, yeah. he is viewed as, he. he's a sympathetic figure. He's a sympathetic figure, yes. and that's why I do feel different about if the Raptors do play the Heat than they play the Bulls. If the Raptors play tonight and they lose to the Bulls, I'll be happy. I will think that that is the best outcome, especially if if you were saying to me, hey, J.D., what's the best possible outcome for tonight? I would say it's that the Raptors lose and DeMar DeRozan has a big game. If you put me now into the next game, though, if the Raptors win, and you tell me, hey, J.D., the Raptors are going to play Kyle Lowry. He's the best possible outcome that he has a massive game and he kills the Raptors. I would say absolutely not. That is the darkest timeline. I I do not want to be set. At that point, once you've reached there, I'll be back in rooting for the Raptors saying beat the Heat in Friday and then lose in embarrassing fashion to Milwaukee because that is the path that that I now desire. Like, I have no interest in losing to Lowry, but I have a ton of interest in losing to DeRozan. Does any of this make sense? Yeah, no. Is anybody following this? 
Yeah, I am. And and Lowry and DeRozan will be inexorably linked uh, when their playing days are over, yeah. and they'll probably have a night where they're honored together. But Lowry has the championship. Lowry, you know, I mean, I guess could have been moved for something at the deadline and I guess also did re-sign in Toronto despite the fact that he was shopping his wares all over the place and nobody would pay him what the Raptors were willing to pay him when he, he signed his final contract with the Toronto Raptors. But nah, he... He obviously wanted to be in a Miami Heat and he liked that situation for his his, his golf life and, and yada yada yada. But more than that, he has he's done the thing. He's not a sympathetic figure. That's not. I mean, thing. maybe you can look at the way he's been dragged in Miami, but that's well deserved. The guy's coming off the bench now, and he had a good game yesterday. Yeah. But he's been awful because it turns out that when you're yeah. like an undersized point guard into your mid to late thirties, like those skills can yep. diminish. Okay, so that's that's not it for me. The reason why I'm rooting against Kyle Lowry is because he is just a Raptor still. Like, when he went to Miami, there was real potential, and people were afraid of it in this market where they went, now, now Kyle Lowry's going to get all his flowers. Now Kyle Lowry's going to get all the respect because he's going to start doing things for a different market, and people are going to say it's heat culture, and they're going to say that it's a Jimmy Butler effect and that these two are going to take over in terms of the way that they're perceived from – from Lowry's image in Toronto, he's just going to be really well respected and he's going to age well and the shooting is going to be fine. It hasn't gone that way at all. Lowry has been a contractual disaster for the Miami Heat. Some of that has been unfortunate circumstances. Some of it has just purely been aging and lack of performance. Ultimately, as, as of this moment right now, Lowry has no blemishes in terms of his Raptors legacy. And no, will people freak out and really hate it if Lowry buries a Raptors team that isn't going anywhere, right? Like, no, 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 no. But I don't really want to see Kyle Lowry in a Miami Heat uniform beat the Raptors in a, what is a playoff game? Like, that, that ultimately, it comes down to that. I don't want to have that memory be the last time, yeah, I thought of Lowry and the Raptors in a meaningful game where the, the two are synonymous with one another. I'd rather just think about 2019. I'd rather think about... Lowry's exit from the franchise mm. and yeah I, I don't want to ever have the memory of Kyle Lowry setting a screen or flopping against the Raptors in a must win <laughs> game and me kind of being a little annoyed by it I just don't want it I don't think it's good I mean what about the you know again like this is a guy and rightly so has been hated by the Heat franchise to maybe flip the script a little bit uh, or you like you want him to go out being a hated Heat player so that there's yeah, no like that. there's no heat positive memories for heat yeah. fans. Yeah, exactly. I want you to have nothing heat fans. I don't care about you. <laughs> I hate you. I don't like heat fans. They're the ones that left. They left the biggest moment in their franchise's history, Ray Allen hitting that corner three, the one of the greatest shots, if not the greatest shot in NBA history. No Miami Heat fans saw it, and they were all trying to get back in the building because they are a loser fan base that doesn't show up on time for games at all. They show up at halftime casually. They're like, what's happening here? Oh, we have a basketball team. LeBron plays for us. Oh, that's cool. Let's take a selfie and let's leave. No, Miami Heat fans, I hope you get nothing. I hope you don't experience any joy with Kyle Lowry, and I certainly don't want you having a good game game where he beats up on his former franchise and people get to dunk on Raptors fans for that. Like, absolutely not. That is a nightmare for me. Again, though, DeRozan, I'm rooting for him. His whole legacy here was he is the playoff choker. He is a playoff loser. This is not exactly a playoff game. Like, I'll say that I watched a lot of the Timberwolves-Lakers last night. Holy cow. What it didn't a really fight that was by the end. Dude, I... 
the Lakers have to be a little embarrassed. They just have to be a little embarrassed at the outcome of that. Even though they, they won, it was embarrassing. LeBron throwing away multiple passes as he gassed out down the stretch. I went, yeah, no, he'll be Twice there. Twice they couldn't get the ball inbounded in like in no. the dying seconds yeah. of, of regulation. And then in overtime, AD with the yeah, foul with point one on the clock. No, it was it was embarrassing. Yeah. What, like T-Wolves didn't have a field goal in the final like six and a half minutes of no. regulation? I will say that I did live bet on Batano, uh, the Lakers, Lakers to win at plus two twenty five. Yeah, I li- they were plus two twenty five, and I went. I'm I jumping on this spot. I got yeah, it. and I I bet on that, and that was a nice little tasty win. I actually went. I, I feel really bad about my best bet that I gave away yesterday for Batano, which was I was like, oh, we got to fade the Leafs, and it was right in theory because the line moved extremely throughout the day. It started off with a short line towards Tampa Bay. And I said, yeah, let's grab the Lightning. Let's fade the Leafs. They're probably going to sit some stars in this game. Is That's my guess. And they'll play a backup goaltender. It could be uh, – who was it? It wasn't the – I think it was the Oshawa Generals kid that, that was maybe getting rumored by Merrick. Bone sound attack kid. No, no. He was the guy that actually did back up. There was a guy oh. yesterday that was from – Sorry. A different yeah, team I'm that people thought was going to play. The, but, yeah, that ended up being my amateur. only miss of the entire day was my Batano best bet. So let's try to do better today. All right. It's time for Best Bets brought to you by Batano Sportsbook, the global sports betting operator of the year in 2022. I, I love this book. I use it every single day now. Um, it's my absolute number one go-to that I just I check out first. Um <sighs> I'm reluctant to do this, but I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm rooting for DeRozan tonight, and I think his point total is low. It's 21 and a half points. I think he knows what this is for his career in terms of, hey, what he can get done. I think that OG will spend a lot of time defending Zach Levine and that that will give him at least an opportunity to kind of get his buckets. So I'm just going to ride the DeRozan train, and I, I think that 22 points for DeMar is going to be very, very attainable, very, very doable. Both of these teams have had, yeah, a lot of really, like, quitty moments. I just think DeRozan's not going to go out without him taking the ball in this one, him trying to determine his fate in this one. He'll take a ton of shots. I think he'll get some decent foul calls. I I like him to go over 21.5. That's my Batano best bet of the day. Uh, That is brought to you by Batano. The game starts now. Uh, We got to run Benny. Thanks for doing yep. this today, even though I think you were confused. Maybe it was all my fault by the first segment, but either way, it, it worked out, buddy. Uh, we both all like right. Kevin Kiermeyer. I think, is the, yeah. the big takeaway from today. That's my takeaway. Yeah, the takeaway is that uh, you already want to put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's going to get his number so. retired. Anyways, we got to run. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Share it. Do all those nice things. See you tomorrow.